Aortic stenosis is a disease that impacts heart valves, but is often very difficult to treat in elderly and very sick patients. But work is being done to improve treatment in this difficult population of patients. Welcome to a focus on heart health on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, the healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Dr. William Firon. He's an assistant professor of cardiovascular medicine at Stanford University. Dr. Firon has a general research interest in coronary physiology. In particular, he is investigating invasive methods for evaluating the coronary microcirculation. His research is currently funded by the National Institutes of Health, a K-23 Career Development Award. He received his MD from Columbia University and his bachelor's from Dartmouth College. He joins us from his offices in sunny California from Stanford University Medical Center. Dr. Firon, welcome to ReachMD Radio on XM160. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Dr. Firon, if you could first tell us about aortic stenosis and the problems that exist in treating this, and then we can take this into some of the research going on and and how we're going to improve things. The aortic valve is one of the four valves in the heart, and it allows blood to leave the left ventricle, the main pumping chamber of the heart, and go to the rest of the body, and it prevents that blood from returning back into the heart. The issue with the aortic valve is that as we get older, in some people, the valve can accumulate calcium and it can become narrowed and aortic stenosis can result. This refers to the inability of the valve to open properly and it prevents blood from leaving the heart uh, effectively. When this happens over time, patients can develop symptoms of chest pain, sometimes heart failure symptoms, shortness of breath, swelling in their legs, and fainting or syncope. This, again, is a disease in general that occurs as we get older. And as you and your listeners know, our elderly population is growing, and and they're not only growing, but also they are accumulating more and more comorbidities or other illnesses, significant lung disease or kidney disease, which make the gold standard or the traditional method of treating aortic stenosis, which is aortic valve replacement surgery, more complex at that time. And this new technology that's being developed, could you talk a little bit about that? And it replaces the valves uh, percutaneously, as if I even know what that means. But if you could tell us a little bit about that. As I've mentioned, with more and more older patients who are at higher risk for traditional surgical aortic valve replacement, which remains, again, the, the gold standard for treating these patients, there's been a lot of interest at developing less invasive techniques for replacing the aortic valve. And so over the past 15 years or so, a lot of work has gone into what's termed percutaneous aortic valve replacement, which refers to accessing the femoral artery in general using a a large sheath or tube, and then through that, advancing a catheter, which has a percutaneous valve on its tip. The valve is within a stent or metal tube, and that stent is sort of collapsed onto the tip of the catheter on a balloon. And as you advance the valve across the old valve, you can then inflate the balloon and deploy 
the new valve within the old one, and the stent opens up the narrowed old aortic valve, and within it is the new valve leaflets. That's that's one technology. There are actually a, a number of different ways of doing this. Some have self-expanding stents, which expand on their own, but the current one being studied in the United States uses a balloon expandable valve. How old are these patients, these difficult to to treat patients? Because, you know, I mean, let's face it, this seems like this research is coming along at a great time because more people are living longer. But is there a certain age range for these patients? Well, many of them are in their 80s or, or 90s. It just depends on the patient's characteristics. But yes, these are, are elderly patients in general. Aortic stenosis, how far along is this research? Well, currently, we at Stanford are participating in a multi-center study in the United States and Canada called PARTNER. This is a study being run by Dr. Martin Leon and Dr. Craig Smith at Columbia University. And in this study, about 1,000 patients or so are being enrolled, and these are all very high-risk elderly in general patients who have multiple comorbidities. And the patients, there are two cohorts in the study. There is a group that are felt to be so high risk that they're not even eligible for a traditional surgical valve replacement. And that group is being randomized to either the percutaneous valve or to medical therapy. And then there's another group of high-risk patients who are high-risk but still felt to be eligible for traditional surgery, and they're being randomized to either the open traditional aortic valve replacement or to the, the percutaneous aortic valve. Well, if you're just joining us, and even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to a Focus on Heart Health on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, a healthcare reporter with the Chicago Tribune, and joining me today is Dr. William Fearon of Stanford University Medical Center, and we're talking about aortic stenosis, a disease that impacts heart valves, which is usually treated with valve replacement through open-heart surgery, and for this reason, it cannot be treated in elderly and very ill patients, and we were just talking about the age of these patients, and and Dr. Fearon is telling us about a new technology being used. Who are some of the companies involved in this technology, and is it something that's already being used out there that could be applicable, or or is it completely new? No, in fact, in Europe, there are two commercially available devices. Core Valve is a company that makes one of these aortic percutaneous aortic valves, and the other is Edwards Life Sciences. And so in Europe, they're, like I said, commercially available, and more than you know, two or 3,000 of these have been planted in Europe. In the United States, it's not yet at that point, and the only patients who are receiving them are those that are enrolled in studies. With the European experience, how is that? I mean, I know that your partner study is ongoing and you're looking at a high-risk group of patients, but in Europe, how has the patient experience been? I think like any new technology, as we've gained more experience and as newer iterations have become available, the outcomes have improved significantly. I think in general, it's still being reserved to higher risk subjects for a few reasons. One, we don't have long-term data yet regarding the durability of these valves in patients. So I think that limits its use to some degree. And also, we're still obviously want to show that this is as good as the traditional gold standard or open surgical aortic valve replacement. And are the kinds of valves, I know that I used to write a lot about Baxter International when Edwards was a part of uh, Baxter. Are we talking about all kinds of valves being used here? 
Right now, this is being limited to the aortic valve. I do think that other valves will be treated in, in similar methods, but currently this form of stent-based valve is just for the aortic valve. There are other techniques being used to try to treat mitral valve disease that are not stent-based, but one could also imagine that these stent-based valves will be applicable to the pulmonary and perhaps the tricuspid valve too. And even though the the product is available on the market and it's in Europe, how far along are we in the United States? I guess I forgot to ask where the partner trial is. When would something like this be available in the United States? I think that the trial will be going on until late 2009. I'm not privy to the exact numbers of patients enrolled. I think it will take a few years for the FDA to approve the device. So we're at least a few years off before commercial availability in the United States. And is this something that your colleagues in the field are are aware of? I mean, is it just one of these things where, you know, patients in this area, 80s or 90s, it's just like there's just not a lot you can do for them? Uh, is it one of those things that physicians are, are looking for? Is it just kind of like this could be something that could really be beneficial? Um, this is a very, very important and exciting development, and it is definitely gaining broad attention amongst uh, my colleagues, and more and more people are hearing about it. And as we get results, more and more people are getting excited about finally having an option for these very high-risk people, many of whom still are quite viable and have a lot to live for, but previously haven't had a good option for their aortic stenosis. And that did, you talked a little bit about the patient population. Are the people in the trial, are they generally healthy? Are they across the board, you know, some some very sick, some, you know, some somewhat active, or how, how could you describe these patients in the trial? This trial involves very high-risk patients, and the inclusion criteria are quite stringent so that we have to demonstrate that these patients will have a high adverse event rate with the traditional surgical approach, and that's done by screening them carefully and performing various risk scores. And each patient is presented to a committee of other investigators who agree that the, the patient is indeed high risk. So, you know, these are very ill people, but they, in general, do have some functionality and are still anxious to live a productive life. And in the European experience where, where this is already being done, could you describe the functionality of a patient before and after and kind of what you saw? I mean, it was clearly, I know with clinical trials, you know, you want to get a, a sort of a standard measure, but maybe our audience, just to get an idea of how exciting this is, you could walk us through just kind of what they saw before and after. It's been amazing here at Stanford, the patients that we've included in the partner trial, just to see the difference. You know, some have gotten randomized to the traditional surgery and many of them have spent, you know, a week or longer in the hospital, often very prolonged recovery times because of the sternotomy and the heart-lung bypass machine. And often it takes months uh, for them to get back to their previous functional level. And we don't always see the improvement that we anticipate. On the other hand, the patients who have been treated with the percutaneous valve have, they also spend a few days, four or five days in the hospital, but they're just recovering from a small incision in their groin. They don't have the sternotomy to recover from. They're up and about literally the day after the procedure. 
Their ejection fraction on their echocardiograms have dramatically improved almost immediately, and they feel better, you know, within a week or two from the procedure. So it's really, really been impressive seeing how these different treatment strategies affect outcomes. And because it's such a minimally evasive procedure, you're not talking any sort of additional trauma to the patient in in going through this. Well, I shouldn't minimize it too much. There's still a significant risk because these are patients who have a lot of other uh, comorbidities and are quite ill. So there is still a significant bleeding risk. There's a risk of stroke or heart attack or, or death. And there's also risk to the kidneys from contrast material that's used during the procedure. The patients in most cases are put under general anesthesia and on a ventilator. So it isn't a walk in the park, but yes, I think the trauma compared to open heart surgery is is significantly less. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Dr. William Fearon, who's been our guest from Stanford University Medical Center. And we've been talking about aortic stenosis, a disease that impacts heart valves, which is usually treated with valve replacement through open heart surgery. And we're talking about a new technology that basically replaces the valves percutaneously. And you'll be hearing more about this in studies to come. And I'm Bruce Jepson of the Chicago Tribune. I've been your host, and you've been listening to a focus on heart health on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, we're online, on demand, and on the air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.